0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today we're joined from some re- joined by some really fantastic short filmmakers who all have Oscar qualifying short films for the 95th Academy Awards this coming year. Uh, we are joined today by the director of Eureka, Mita Chu, for Alleluia. We have Victor Gabriel. For the film Mate, we have George Alex Nagel and for We Are Here, Costanza and Domenica Castro. And starting with Eureka, which the the logline for this film is a young indentured Chinese prostitute must overcome her toxic dependency on the brothel madam on the eve of the 1885 anti-Chinese riot in Eureka, California. Um, For you, Mita, you know, around that, I wanted to ask you about the way in which you've created this film, which really centers on, on this singular story with this young woman and going through her personal experiences at this space and time, but how within that you wanted to use the film to create a larger dialogue and a a larger conversation, which is which approaches a lot of different themes and topics.
1: To me, it was very, very interesting how much it was similar in terms of the anti-Chinese sentiment, because back then the Chinese immigrant workers were seen as the cheap labor that was blamed to to be the ones who took away the jobs of the white Americans. And um, and at the same time, there's also this kind of sense of dread in in China, where there was famine and a lot of these parents were sending their children across the sea to work as indentured workers, uh, mostly the women working as indentured prostitutes. So, I was just very intrigued by the sense of um, just like the question of how do they identify whether as women or whether as Chinese, whether as Americans, because that they were just caught at this crossroad of oppressions, both as for their gender, as well as their, um, their race. So I thought that was just such an interesting group of people that I really resonated with. And yeah, I just thought it would be an interesting film to make, given the current political climate.
0: Absolutely. And then in coming over and talking about Alleluia with you, Victor, um, you know, just to to give the log line for your film, which is after being struck with the guardianship of their annoying bookworm nephew, two brothers in Compton, California, have to decide if they're willing to take on responsibility of caretakers. Um, I was interested in how you've really told this story where we really get to see this amazing imagination and creativity within the central character of Alleluia, but also how you wanted to approach that idea of the way that kids actually really see the world around them and understand stand so much more than adults always realize they're taking in, especially with the emotional trajectory of what this character is going through.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, first of all, I'm a marriage and family therapist too. So when George, earlier on in the conversation, George is at a job, I still have like a regular day job. So I'm a marriage and family therapist that specializes in trauma, I work with a lot of kids, have worked with a lot of kids and people. And then I turned into a filmmaker so yeah, kids always experience like the world in very harsh ways. But what I tend to see is they maintain their innocence. Like still, what happens, you get older, then the innocence fades, then you remember, then you sort of like look back on your traumatic experiences and then you turn into like a, <laughs> a mad, a mad adult and you wanna hurt people and beat people up. But kids actually tend to have high resilience, high levels of resilience and so, It was something that I I wanted to keep like the levity within it, the childlike innocence and imagination while dealing with extremely dark things. And, you know, and so it was it was a joy to make while also difficult, but but fun in a weird way. You know what I'm saying? So I hope that comes off.
0: Yeah, it, it really, really yeah. does. Um, and coming over to the film Mate, which is after too long apart, deadbeat dad John's attempt to reconnect with his school-aged son Jack over a weekend on the outskirts of Sydney threatens to collapse into chaos and heartbreak. I wanted to ask you about the the kind of building of this father-son relationship because it's kind of beautifully imperfect. You have this father who just so desperately wants to be able to reconnect with his son um, and his idea of it is drawing him into the his world and his adult life. Um, you know, and his son is so, so wonderful in the way that he kind of emotionally sees his dad and, and forgives mistakes. Um, and so what was the initial starting point of really creating the central imperfect relationship between the two of them for you?
3: Um, yeah, good question. Uh, well, the starting point, okay, well, the film, the starting point of the film uh, started as a, a bit of a, a piece of art therapy, really, or in a mental health exercise. Um, and it was about, um, a study in depression and from that we took the idea of one character and split them into two and it was an older self and a younger self and conflict between that and attempt to reconcile uh you know a lost innocence of the past versus a potential path for the future as well um from a more kind of character point of view um uh, I guess uh, I was approaching it from two people who, who uh, like, like two magnetic poles just not kind of connecting in some kind of way, like they are destined to connect but can't help but repel each other. Um, and I guess that was extended to working with the actors in, in a way as well by keeping them separate a lot of the time and, and keeping them isolated from each other and creating a natural sense of conflict and chaos and throwing them together and kind of seeing what happens. I think that answered your question.
0: (laughs) It did, I I really, really love that. And then, you know, for the film We Are Here, which is about four young immigrants intimately revealing their hopes and dreams as they navigate a perilous system that defies their fate and freedom. For you, Costanza and Domenica, you know, I I love the way that the animation supports the telling of this story. um, And yet there's still such an emotional connection. And I was really interested in how you came up with the idea of what you wanted that visual feeling to be because it's kind of this ambiance and this tone that supports the emotion of the stories that we're hearing on screen
4: yeah thank you um so dominica meditates and she wanted to kind of like her her vision for it was to create like a med- meditative point of view that could really submerge the audience into like an experience and into feeling um we thought that if we could go back, we're like, OK, if we can go back to how we all learn as children, which is through shapes and colors and sound and music. If we can just go back to that sort of elementary way of experiencing something, perhaps like it can touch people like in a in a different way, in a different perspective. No, I don't know Tom, if you want to add anything.
5: Yeah, I feel like the conversation um, of immigration is really um, exhausted in many ways, and we wanted to uh, because it's still a conversation that has to be maintained alive because it's still happening um, every single day, we wanted to just reimagine how to how to discuss it and how to, um, how, to how to approach it not from a political position, but from a humanitarian pay- space and just, you know, feeling the lives of others um, and imagining them within ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Amita, and kind of coming back to you with with the film Eureka, I wanted to ask about the visual aspects with your film as well, because there's really beautiful use of, of light and shadows and a very specific color palette. Um, and so when you were concept- when you were coming up with the idea of what you wanted the film to look like visually, um, where did the initial ideas come from for that use of light and that use of color?
1: yeah, the whole idea was like I'm the type of filmmaker who would like to kind of come up with the kind of key visual visual motifs that kind of resemble certain kind of um inner struggles because to me, the camera at best is able to photograph what the character sees about themselves from the inside, how they want to be seen, how do they see themselves. And um, so there is this kind of push and pull motif that I want to establish, both through camera movement as well as through the light. To kind of show this kind of part of it as this um, struggle, to kind of struggle to break free from the confine, the confines of the frame, but also kind of just resembles the, the childhood trauma of being being abandoned by the by the parents and being shipped over in cargo base on the ships to United States, um, and just like the wash of life, light like the ocean waves. So that was the kind of main primary kind of visual design um, from the visual design standpoint. Um, but the challenge for us was mostly just recreating the world from the 1880s American West, because there were very few pictures of the brothels in um, in the more rural America, but there weren't any interior pictures. So we had to kind of reconstruct the, the look from a lot of these um, pictures of the opium dance, because there were a lot of pictures of the opium dance, weirdly. So... Yeah, so it's a lot of research as well, just like diving into the psyche of the characters and feel like what feels appropriate and what can externalize their interior um, unconscious.
0: Since you were just saying, you know, there's there's certain details, but kind of not everything, what did a lot of the research look like and and where were some of the most useful spaces that you started to find research details that would really help you in narratively telling the story?
1: It was mostly through, um, through books, through a lot of the books written about the history, and then they have pictures. And I went into the bibliography to find, um, where those pictures come from. And there were a couple, there were a few photographers that were documenting, um, Chinatown in, in San Francisco, which is nearby Eureka. So I was able to draw a lot of these, um, reference from these pictures. And, um, yeah, I would say like, um, I used Los Angeles Public Library extensively for that um, purpose and their, the librarian there were very, very helpful. So yeah, so I would say that's the source of our research mostly.
0: That's so great. And and Victor with Alleluia, one of the shots that was so striking to me is the moment where you have the camera and essentially it's moving around in this 360 degree motion. So yeah. we see the entire surrounding and frame and characters. And then it kind of- Don't talk to me
2: about that. That that was a lot of of trauma. (laughs) That was a lot of (laughs) grief. You bring up a sore spot for me. Go ahead, keep talking. Keep asking your question. I'm listening.
0: But you have that. And then then obviously it kind of goes over to the door. And so you're being very conscious as well about what we're seeing and when we're seeing it, because that's a big narrative plot point in the film as well. Yes. Um, yes. You know, and it sounds like logistically it was incredibly challenging from your reaction. (laughs) Um, Why did it feel so important to utilize that specific tracking shot in the film to tell the story and what were some of the challenges that came from it
2: well I wanted I, well, first I wanted to like indicate that we're in a flashback but not like in a typical way and I so I thought moving to the door stand the door coming out different clothes indicates oh we're in a flashback and I wanted it to feel very dynamic in terms of like a little bit of like something's happening a little bit of like almost like the camera movement is sort of like foreshadowing something a little bit right? So that's what I was thinking. And I thought it was a good way to just engage with a bunch of characters who we are starting to meet quickly. So I want to be like, boom, 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 this is happening, this is happening. This is happening. So it sort of keeps you like here. And I'm real big on like, like everything, not that everything has to be exciting, but I'm not a big believer in like, um, boring moments. If I can even if it's just dialogue, like I like things. I have ADHD. So I think like, if it's too boring, my mind goes, do 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 So I feel like part of my brain was like, this would be great. Let's do this. <laughs> so, um, What I didn't realize was that because we, <laughs> we had like three hours to do it, we needed like a whole day to rehearse it. And we had like an hour to rehearse it. And like we did like four takes of it max. It should have been way longer. Uh-huh. So it was... <laughs> anyways, all all that to say was that the team helped me pull it off in a really dope way. My DP, um, Robert Hunter, and just the people he picked for his camera crew were were pretty amazing. But, you know, this meant to, I'm trying to be visceral. I'm big, like, on visceral moments, being in the body, you know what I'm saying? Like, being in the skin of someone, being in their body, being their experience. Like, how's it feel? Like, I want you to twitch if they're twitching, you know what I'm saying? So that was something that helped me with that.
0: And genre wise, you, you've you dubbed the film a traumedy, and it really yeah. does bounce be- balance between those spaces um, tonally. What were the challenges that came in terms of, of conceptualizing the story and, and directing it and making sure that you were balancing out these two very different tones throughout the film and that it always works side by side in the way that
2: it does? Yeah, uh, actually, I mean, outside of the term tragedy, which, you know, like I'm copywriting it, man. <laughs> I'm a to get, get money. Um, I just feel like, organically, that's me just as a person. And I think, me, I went to school with Mita, right? We went to film school together, went to AFI. Um, so I started off doing really dark, 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 dark things, right? And that's a big part of me, like all the shadow. I don't know if you guys know any stuff about Jungian work and archetypes, but shadow work, like a lot of like my deep shadow, my deep pain, my deep issues. I worked a lot of them out. No, no comedy, no nothing. But me as a person, I tend to be a mix of like innocent, traumatic, aggression, um, a lot of love, super caring. And I feel like I needed something that more represented how, how I present when people see me. So it actually organically came out in terms of writing it. It wasn't, it just kind of flew out, it kind of, it kind of flew out. But it is holding, I mean, we all laugh at funerals, is what I feel like. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, like, we all laugh at funerals. We all tend to really laugh. I can't speak for the people here, but I actually believe if everyone looks at if everyone looks at their own like personal story, the some of the most traumatic shit that happened to you, you probably look at it later laughing. Like, I, I like, I promise you. And I just feel like sometimes it's weird because we're in this, it's weird to like maybe laugh at something dark like abuse. But me being someone who's like seen abuse happen, been, been in abuse situations, there is a level of humor that I think about when I reflect upon it. I know it's weird for people. So I'm trying to like combine some of those elements and put them on screen. Yeah.
0: That's so great. And and George, in in talking a little bit more about Mate, um, there's so many lovely shots where where it's, kind of the moments between the dialogue and they're telling us just as much about this character, these character dynamics and this relationship as the moments where they're talking to each other and there's dialogue going back and forth. And, you know, even just simply watching them get food or sit in front of a wall, we really just get to kind of live and breathe with them. Um, at what point in in developing this project, did you realize that that was a really important facet of how you wanted to tell the story and and what was the journey of filming a lot of those scenes and just making sure it really captured the essence of what you were hoping for?
3: Um, Well, firstly, pretty early on, I realised that I wanted it to be largely about um, dialogue and sometimes meaningless dialogue, uh, but meaningful, meaningless dialogue, if that makes sense. Um, Dialogue that doesn't necessarily contribute to the plot in a great deal, uh, but also, you know, the key to the deeper themes of the, the story and the key to the characters kind of encased in that. But on the other side, it's also about moments between those moments as well. So as Victor said before, how he didn't want any boring bits, I kind of wanted a lot of boring bits. <laughs> um, and, you know, try to find the balance between, you know, keeping a story moving and keeping an audience engaged and then giving you moments where you can just sit and, and experience a moment with a character. Yeah. Um like uh, the character of John is, is a character who needs to keep on moving and keep on talking. And the second he stops, he's, you know, his facade slips off and he kind of caves in and his world crashes. Um, so he almost needs to keep on talking as a defence mechanism or as a way of surviving. Whereas Jack, on the other hand, Um, is very introspective and uh, you know there's a lot inside but it takes trauma for that to actually come out Um, as for how we shot uh, some of the um, the the montage elements of the film in which we're just kind of living with the characters uh, we basically just shot it like a documentary Um, we just kind of went out into the streets with a camera and spent a day eating eating food and throwing food at each other and and, and playing cricket and terrorising people walking past and, you know, trashing a parking lot and the train station and just allowing them to be bad and allowing them, just letting them go and following them with a camera. I mean, yeah, we had shots and moments in mind and shots and moments scripted, but um, it was kind of like those moments, we really had the opportunity to depart the... Um, the methodology, or your traditional methodology, of actually shooting a drama, where you have your your, your coverage and you have your scenes and and whatnot, kind of take a completely different cinematic approach to it
0: and thematically there's a really interesting exploration of of masculinity you know you've got this dad who just has this real idea of of what that is within the world and you know and then there's a lot more emotional delicacy to his son in the world which is just as valuable and the film really explores that and so how did you want to approach and explore the the theme and the topic of masculinity and the way that the world views that through these two characters
3: um I should probably say that this this wasn't something that we started the process with this is something that just happened naturally with the characters and how the kind of characters grew and evolved during the writing process and um look john john is a very specific type of guy who's um, look I, I think there are equivalents in, in different cultures but in sydney anyway he's very much a a kind of henrich lout kind of guy who has quite what we call a fairly dated approach to masculinity built on bravado and toughness and um, I guess masculine superiority in some kind of way Um, whereas Jack on the other hand represents a, a newer form of masculinity based around empathy and understanding and vulnerability and uh, as the story evolved, it really became about the contrast and the conflict between what we would probably call you know toxic masculinity uh, versus you know a, a newer emerging form of masculinity. But um, look, un- undoubtedly, our film is a study in toxic masculinity. Uh, I think it's pretty hard to avoid. Well, you know, you can't really deny that. Um, But uh, I've been very careful not to label it as such. I've just always said that I wanted to make a film about masculinity um, in some kind of way. Um, I felt that labeling it as a study piece in toxic masculinity might result in a more didactic um, film. And that's not, I really wanted to avoid that. I didn't want to make a film that signposted uh, a message, uh, but was more of a discussive piece.
0: Absolutely, and, and is a character-driven piece. And Domenico and Domenica yeah. Costanza, coming back to your film, um, one of the things that's so striking is as you're <laughs> listening to all of these stories, just uh, there's so many common threads, particularly emotionally you know there's the moment where someone specifically is saying I've experienced a lot of PTSD and emotional trauma from this moment Um, and then the other voices that you're hearing are very much interlinked in terms of a lot of the themes explored in your film Um, and so I was interested in in how when you were both working with your your subjects on the film and and recording their voices for these pieces and in the editing process how you know you started to just really see and really find a lot of these common threads and then how you figured out how you wanted to edit and weave these stories together because it feels like we get to know each voice singularly but also we get to really understand the the collective experience of them all as well
5: for sure we we found um we you know we did uh find in the in the interviews like a relative pattern in their in in their journeys um especially in terms of um sort of the delays that play out in their lives and how their hopes and dreams just take longer or maybe haven't even necessarily happened um, and that made us you know realize how a, it was an opportunity also to bring everyone together and like cuz the, the the journey of an immigrant feels very lonely um in many in many ways uh, especially Even just within the immigrant community, it's not necessarily discussed. I think that there's shame around it. Um, And uh, we found that here we had four people who were kind, you know, their lives are very, very different in many ways, but had these similarities of just kind of almost like hitting milestones. Uh, But these aren't necessarily, you know, these are kind of milestones of oppression and pain um, and instability. And we really wanted to, um, share that and, and, and like, you know, express it in a way that, um, maybe, you know, it feels more, um, urgent to, to, um, relieve or to, or to, you know, do, I guess, do something about, um, about the issue and sort of let these, uh, people with dreams and like, total, um, capability, you know, amazing capabilities and, and strengths just, uh, live their lives freely. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
5: I don't know if you want to add something, Cons.
4: <laughs> no, yeah. When you asked that, I kept thinking about, um, kind of like building the structure, Um, our amazing editor Salvador Perez Garcia really transcribed everything and it was when we were trying to figure out okay what comes first how do we build the structure of it all and we were able to to highlight like specific words right and themes and we're like oh my gosh there's a connection here all of them speak about this specific thing about this specific pain about this specific trauma and so that really helped us a lot Um, you know we turned like eight hours of footage into 40 minutes and then 40 minutes into 20 and 20 finally into these eight minutes that really, I think hone into their lives, their hearts, their experience. Um, And hopefully, you know, we wanna believe that there is definitely a blind spot in the system and that we maybe if we shine a light in terms of how these systems and laws are created without really thinking it's almost like a band-aid, you know of like okay let's just fix the problem for for two years for three years and it's like yeah but what happens later what happens in five years what happens in 10 years what happens in 20 years and i think that hopefully this this uh, film is able to express that and, and, and you know get to the hearts and minds of the people that have the power to change it
0: and and what was that process for the two of you in in finding participants for this film Where they People that you already knew and kind of knew a little bit about their stories, or was it conceptualizing the idea of the film and then really seeking out people who would feel comfortable
4: sharing that? There was no casting. We the the four people that our mom actually what is like the producer of our life and has like always helped us throughout our career. Uh, We called her and we're like we have this idea, and she immediately put us in touch. She's like, here's three people that I can put you in touch, and then the third the fourth story we already knew. And so there wasn't like any casting or any any, you know, it was kind of like, okay, here's four different stories. They're all under 30. Um let's let's go into into the project. And and they were very trusting. Uh, so we're so grateful to the fact that they they trusted us with their stories. Um, both Dominic and I are sisters and we're immigrants. And so this is uh, a theme that has been in our lives and has played out in, in, in different but similar ways in terms of how our lives have evolved. And so, um, yeah, we, you know, we wanted to just shine a light on this from, from their perspective also.
5: And it was interesting to feel like we knew, like as Kans mentioned, three of the people, but we didn't know them in this step um and i feel like they they were so open and and interested in just like i guess speaking about um about it in in a way that i you know even having maybe had um conversations and and shared you know in in many ways uh we hadn't reached this this level of um of intimacy um and openness. And, um, it was really, it was really beautiful to, to see it. And then to, even when we did share the film, uh, for them to go, Oh, I thought my whole life, I was like, you know, living this experience by myself. And it's really cool to see that other four, you know, there three people are kind of having the same experience and like I feel less alone. And that's something that cons and I always have talked about that we like to make films to help people feel less alone. Um, in the world, it's such an important medium of connection, and um, it's been important in our lives.
0: I love hearing that that was, that was the response to them watching it. Um, you know, I have to say, I'm so impressed by the stories that you've all told and especially in terms of short-term, short-form term, short storytelling, it's, it's such a, a challenge and an achievement to tell such rich, layered and textured stories with such a finite amount of time. So I'm so impressed by what you've each done individually with your films, really appreciate you sharing them with us and talking about it today. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>